This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. What do you actually say about what is actually happening down in Houston these days? It is, it is staggering to see that. But you know what? What the one thing that stood out, and we had Christy Blatchford on this show. She writes for the National Post. We had her on the show. She wrote a really interesting piece today. Her point, and I think it was so well taken. Her point was that when you look at the images down there, you don't see the evidence of the stuff that we hear about in the southern United States all the time. We, when you talk about the southern states, we hear about racism, we hear about hatred. I'm, that's a, it's a stereotype, but those are stories you hear about. You hear about all that stuff. You look at the images down there, and what you see, in these anyway, is African Americans helping white people, white people helping Latino people, Latino helping people, Latino people helping African American people. When things get challenging, when things are really difficult, a lot of that stuff, and I'm not dismissing it, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, I'm not saying it's not real, none of that stuff, but when things get real, when flooding happens, when people are being put in danger, when all these things, it is amazing to me that all those peripheral issues that we get so wound up in, that we get bent out of shape, some people, because you don't like someone of this color or that color or this race or that whatever. It's amazing how often, not always, but often those things seem to go away. And what we're seeing here, again, watch some of the, watch some of the images of this, watch some of the video of this, watch some of the stuff coming out of Houston and the Houston area. It is in the midst of something that is truly horrendous, I mean, truly horrendous, it is actually inspiring in a lot of ways to see what's going on. It really is. And, you know, nobody ever wants something like this to happen. Heaven knows nobody wants something like this to happen. But boy, it was, it was amazing to watch. I saw some video the other day and, and, and then Christy wrote about it. It's amazing to see how people, when real world stuff collides with your life, a lot of those other things that you may or may not spend a lot of time thinking about and being upset about and belittling others or thinking less of others for, it's amazing how fast they go away, isn't it? We'll take a break. I'll, I'm, I'm not going to go on to, with Houston any more than that because it's, uh, I, I, I honestly, I, I, I don't know what to say. It's a staggering situation down there. It's staggering. And I don't really know what else to say about it. It's just, except this. We often, lately, people today, because we are so inundated with information, with anger, with social media rage, with this, with that, with the other, we often, if something does not stimulate us in a way that we really like online or wherever else, we often don't pay attention to it. We tune it out. We get into the echo chamber that, of things we like that make us feel good. Don't not watch the news coming out of Houston because it's depressing or because whatever else. Even if you're not really all that interested, watch the news. Watch what's going on there. It's important to see what is going on because it is truly a really, really remarkably horrible situation, but if we don't pay attention to these things, man, that is a frightening place to be. I don't mean in Houston. I mean, it's a frightening place if we've decided that because we're not happy with the news, we won't pay attention to the news. 
You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. A guy that we love chatting to about football, uh, Rick Zamprin of 900 CHML. Sir, you got anything you want to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Boy, oh boy, yes. Can you recall, you've been around this team for a long, long time in various capacities, up close and from afar, talking with the players and dealing with the fans covering the game story, covering the game, in every capacity you have been around this team. Can you remember a story and a week around this franchise like we've seen this week? This is, without a doubt, the biggest, darkest, deepest, saddest, most troublesome stain on the Tiger Cats' legacy in the history of the 148 years of this franchise. It is without a doubt, the most unconscionable, irreprehensible, uh, ghastly, um, unbelievable, I still can't wrap my head about it, unbelievable decision uh, that they ultimately came to and then were pretty much forced to reverse. I can't recall anything like, even remotely like this happening. It is undoubtedly, the, as I said, the darkest stain on this franchise, unfortunately. And while I don't want to dump on the history of this franchise, because there have been a lot of great moments, this is a team that has been bankrupt. This is a team that has gone 1-17. and 17. This is a team, that, you know, every team has its stuff. Every team has its moments. But when you say this is the darkest uh, for this particular franchise, that's not a, a, a saying, a quote, a, a phrase that doesn't carry weight. That, that, that says a lot if this is the darkest moment. Well, I think, you know, the other examples you pointed to, 1-17 in 17 or even the bankrupt, I think that, you know, that's mostly tied to, uh, you know, football operations and what happens on the field or what happens in the stands. This obviously has ties to that, bringing in a man who the Ticats thought would be a valuable voice and person in the locker room as an assistant coach, as that offensive, uh, you know, addition to June Jones' staff, but... The, and as, as uh, anyone who is not familiar with the name Art Riles has come to know, this is a man with a, a very dark past in terms of what happened at Baylor University under his watch for not a few months, not even a couple of years. We're talking from 2011 to, to 2014, so three years in which, uh, according to a lawsuit, and I've, I've done my homework on Art over the last you know 24 to 36 hours, you know, 56 acts of rape committed by 31 different players between those three years, including five gang rapes. And I understand that he wasn't involved in the actual sexual assaults, but as the head football coach, there are instances, there are uh, examples, there are even text messages that have been released by the university that point to him overlooking, uh, that point to Art Bryles, not reporting to the police, not uh, uh, forcing others or encouraging others to come forward with their stories, uh, quite the opposite, hiding, uh, encouraging victims to keep quiet, all in the name of uh, producing a football winner. So, uh, I mean, for the Ticats to go down this route, to and they mentioned it earlier, and, and, and Drew Edwards of, uh, of, the, of The Spectator, and obviously you know him well, did a, f- a phenomenal job of, kind of narrowing down how exactly this happened. And basically, I mean, they mulled over this decision for weeks. It wasn't just, you know, a couple of days. 
uh, or even a few hours. This was a well-calculated, at least I think that they thought it was a well-calculated decision, that they looked at the history of this individual. They were going the second-chance route, which, you know, I, I can I can fully agree to a certain extent in terms of giving people a second chance. I like to do that myself, but when it comes to certain individuals, uh, that second chance cannot be afforded to them. And I, I think in the football world, Art Wiles should not be given that second chance. What I simply can't understand, and I, I'm not, Rick, I'm not really asking you to explain or to understand because I, I, I have no idea how you would understand either. I just, I listened to Scott Mitchell today. He had a press conference. I've listened to Scott Mitchell do a number of radio interviews on various stations. I read the story, the interview that he gave to Drew Edwards yesterday. Mm-hmm. I just can't, for the life of me, understand how th- two things. How this guy, out of all the hundreds or thousands of people working in elite football in North America, was the only person capable of working for you, that you decided this guy was uniquely standing alone as the only human that could fix your broken team. That's the first part. And B, that when they sat down and Scott Mitchell ultimately makes the final decision that he says, yeah, I'm fine with this. I just, it is unfathomable to me how someone who is the head of an organization that relies on community support and community goodwill possibly came to the conclusion that this was okay. It it makes no sense whatsoever. Well, you know, I'll answer the first part. And I think that, you know, of all the coaches out there, and there are hundreds, really, who are on the open market, uh, I, I think this boils down to the relationship between June Jones, the current head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and Art Bryles. And Jones mentioned it in his news conference earlier today, although he didn't say much about Art other than he was disappointed. It was a very emotional evening for them both. You know, they have a 40-year history together. They've known each other for 40 years. So I have, without a doubt, uh, um, uh, that June Jones said, hey, you know, even last week in his introductory press conference, I want to bring in another offensive coach. He had Art Bryles in mind even a week ago. And his relationship with Art, he no doubt brought his name forward to say, I would like Art to be a part of this team. Uh, I don't have 100% direct knowledge of that. He did not come out and say that. But these guys have a 40-year relationship. He's bringing in an offensive mind. Art is of that mind. Uh, There's no doubt about it. The conversation started with June Jones. Uh, how the uh, investigative process went in terms of you know what they looked into. Obviously, you can Google the name Art Bryles, and everything under the sun about him is going to come up, and and, and most of which is going to be of those uh, you know those gang rapes, those players taking advantage of females on campus, those football players who he oversaw uh, being charged. One individual serving a 20-year prison sentence for uh, for rape. Um, so I think it started with June Jones because he has that relationship. And that is not uncommon. You, you get to be a head coach. You get to be an assistant. You rely on people who you have come in contact with over the years. You bring in guys who you know, who you can trust, who you can work well with. And I think that's how it started. The comment that really got me yesterday, one of many actually, was one that Scott Mitchell made in which he said, quote, Art Bryles is a good man who was caught in a very bad situation. Um, and basically, I mean, the franchise, the Tiger Cats, really overlooked what Art Bryles was responsible for. I mean, Scott Mitchell, you're in, you're in the, the, the media scrum today, 
said he is accountable for this decision. Well, Art Bryles is accountable for what went on in Baylor, and he paid the price by getting fired by Baylor University. Scott Mitchell being accountable for the Art Bryles hiring because he has the final say in terms of who's hired and who is let go uh, has to stand up and, and take accountability, and he did that earlier today. I'm not sure it's going to go any further than that. I don't think he's going to lose his job over it, uh, but I think at least he stood up and apologized and said, uh, I take accountable. The, the, the other comment that really got to me as well was we underestimated the negativity and, and referenced you know, the tsunami of negativity that came from the situation. And I'm not sure how they could have underestimated this. I mean, this was, uh, and still is to this day, obviously, a vilified individual. Art Bryles is a hated individual. And, uh, you know, you, you oversee a program that has this much uh, criminal activity. Uh, you know, how can you not? And, you know, the, the conversation should have ended with Art Bryles is implicated and has taken response, or actually hasn't really even taken responsibility, hasn't even admitted to any mistakes or apologized or anything. Um, the conversation at the Ticats headquarters should have ended with Art Bryles is, uh, you know, responsible for this, or at least was overseeing the program when this happened. Uh, we, we can't move forward. You know, we have a, a plethora of female fans. We have an armada of male fans who support women's rights. Um, we can't go through with this. I'm not sure how not one person at the table spoke loud enough on that point to deter the others to say, okay, maybe we should go in a different direction. That, to me, is probably the biggest error on their part. So, oh, and I, you know what? Uh, excellent speech. Because you're bang on with everything you just said. And I'm looking at this going, okay, now Rick Zamperin has a buddy who works in the radio business. And that guy gets in trouble and loses his job. And a year down the road, Rick goes to his boss when there's a job opening and says, hey, I know this guy. Well, Rick, I don't have a problem with you, really. I wouldn't have a problem with you going to your boss and saying, I know this guy. I've got this guy. He has a bit of a background. In fact, he has a bad background, but he's pretty good at what he does. Mm-hmm. where the rubber hits the road, where the responsibility lies is your boss then should say, Rick, um, yeah, I, I appreciate you bringing your buddy forward. I appreciate your loyalty to him. But for the very things you just said at the end, we have female fans. We have male fans who support women. We all would like to believe that that would be everybody. We just, there's no way we can support this. There's no way we can bring him on board. There's no way we can send the message to our fans and to the league and to the public that we in any way excuse, I won't say endorse, but excuse this kind of behavior in any way. And so when I look at the fact that Scott Mitchell, when this decision was made, and he says he was ultimately the guy responsible, the buck falls with him, when he gave the okay that this should happen, I'm sorry, I, you know, Scott Mitchell was a guy who was in the center of the controversy when the stadium thing happened. He is a guy who is of, some people love him, some people less so. But I came to the conclusion today, honestly, that if you, if your judgment was that you thought this was okay, you should no longer be holding that job. Yeah, the, the one, you know, the issue that gets to me, really, amongst many, is, uh, you know, hiring Art Bryles second chances or not, really showed to me that the Ticats were willing to take some heat if that meant that Bryles could help them win football games. I think at the end of the day, that was their stance. And we heard it, you know, in, in a variety of ways from Scott Mitchell. They're, you know, he's a good man, caught in a bad situation. We want to give him a second chance. They were willing to take some heat 
for this hiring, thinking that he was going to come in and, and fix what ailed their offense or, or, or be that, uh, that new voice to kind of turn this 0-8 franchise around. When that heat got too hot and when that uh, sea of negativity became a tsunami, they really buckled. The question I, I would love to have answered, I don't think it ever will, is if the CFL didn't come in and if Commissioner Randy Ambrosi didn't say, guys, you know what, you know, we have to rescind this hiring, I wonder if, and I know it was asked, I know it was answered in the Scott Mitchell Newser today, I wonder if the Ticats still would have said, uh, okay, you know what, we made a mistake, uh, we're going to rescind this hiring, or if they would have you know, just kind of swallowed all that negativity and moved on with their decision. Because at the end of the day, you know, most businesses will make a decision and they might take some, some heat over it, uh, design of a new car or, 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 you know, whatever the product is. New, new logo, Coke. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> new Coke. You know, the, the public doesn't like it. They'll more often than not stick with that decision, even if there is a tsunami of negativity, because they've done their homework. They've made their decision. They've, they've had that kind of uh, pro and con, you know, speech uh, around the boardroom. The Ticats said they did that. And, and, you know, they consulted with a dozen or so stakeholders um, I'm not sure who these stakeholders are, but they all made the wrong decision. And even after that decision, the Ticats should have quickly realized that it was the wrong one. And it took really the CFL to point out to say, we got to make a change here. I mean, that, that at the end of the day is really telling of, of uh, you know, the backbone of, of this uh, of this decision. Well, the answer that Scott Mitchell gave today, and I, I'm, I want to be as close to exact as what he said, was that question was asked, is if the, if the CFL had not got involved, what, would you have still made the decision to release or get rid of Art Bryles? And he said, I think he said probably yes, or something along those lines, because mm-hmm. we saw that the public and the media would not tolerate this and I'm thinking, well, wait a second. And it was said a couple times before another reporter said, well, what about you guys? Well, I mean, and then it was, well, yeah, we're, you know. But it, here's the thing. If the public and the media and probably a couple, at least one sponsor, maybe more, and the CFL had not got involved, Art Bryles would be would have been standing on the sideline coaching the Ticats in practice today. Yeah. There's no question about that. This we're was a there. response to an outrage. This was not a response to a second sober thought saying, this guy probably shouldn't be here. Yeah, the, the other thing that really intrigues me, too, is there's been, uh, you know, uh, more than whispers that, uh, you know, the Ticats have Robert Griffin III and Johnny Manziel on their neg list or negotiation list. Art Bryles has a history with both of those individuals, RG3, very much in particular him being, you know, a former, uh, you know, Baylor alum. Um, that, you know, bringing Bryles in may may have encouraged uh, either or both of those guys to look up north a little more intently. Uh, I, I'm still of the belief that, you know, it takes two to tango. They might be looking up here to, to exhaust their football options, but I still think they both want to play in the NFL, and I think that, you know, coming to Hamilton is still slim to none. But I think that's another example of this Ticats team willing to swallow a little bit of heat to try and make their football team better bringing Bryles in and maybe coercing one or both of those much maligned quarterbacks to playing for the Ticats. Uh, I think all the way, no matter how you look at it, this was just a horrible decision. So I don't know. I, I want to, I wonder where you think this goes from here. Cause I, I, I don't believe, as I've just said, I don't believe Scott Mitchell should be continuing on in his role. I think that opportunity was lost with this decision, but I don't believe for a second that he's going to be fired, and I don't believe for a second he's going to step down, at least not right now. 
So what happens in the future? What do you think happens from this? Anything? Or or do we just go, hey, it's Labor Day. Let's all forget it. Buy our tickets, drink our beer. And hey, that was a f- story to tell the kids someday. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what I think uh, will happen at least over the next few weeks. I, I, I don't think Scott Mitchell will be fired. I don't think he will step down. It is important to note that, you know, during this 0-8 season, Jeff Reinbold was made the fall guy of a, a horrible defense. Uh, it, it is uh, important to note that uh, Kent Austin fell on his sword after the 0-8, uh, or falling to 0-8, uh, during the bye, relinquishing his head coaching duties to become the VP of Football Ops and June Jones, the head coach. Uh, it is important to note that Scott Mitchell has come up and taken uh, accountability and responsibility for this uh, decision. Uh I don't think he's going to fall on his sword. I don't think he will be fired or step down. I don't even think he's going to do that in the offseason. No matter what the record is of this team, no matter how much more blowback he receives and this franchise receives from this decision, Bob Young has issued yet another apology, his second, this one a little more concise, a little more thorough, pointing to uh, you know the, the heritage of the team, what they mean to the community, uh, how they want to be more community-oriented. Uh, this was a strange and- way of showing that. Yeah, well, very much so. Um, obviously, you know, I think an extended apology was the right thing to do because the first one was too brief, I think, for many people, even though, yes, it was an apology, but I think the second one was a little bit better. Um, I think this team has to, has to make a statement to their fans on Labor Day. I think it basically has to be Bob Young on the big screen or even better at center field with the microphone and on the big screen apologizing to the fans, recommitting what the Tiger Cats are to this community. Uh, uh, obviously, you know, guaranteeing this sort of, uh, you know, uh, course is never going to be taken again. And I think even more than that, I think this franchise has to make a substantial donation, I think something in good faith, to, uh, you know, the Sexual Assault Center of, uh, of, of Hamilton, you know, the Satchel organization. I don't think anything uh, less than six figures would suffice. I mean, this was a monumental blunder and i think this franchise really is to put its money where its mouth is make a difference and make a substantial donation to satcha and help the women in this community who are undergoing this sort of violence domestic violence and sexual violence and i i think that's the best gesture and the best move that they can make right now maybe maybe that helps uh, i think there are if, if we believe the statistics, and you never know which statistics to believe, but if you believe the statistics, the number of women who have been or will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime is, I don't even know what the, what the number is, what the ratio is. It's a, it's a very high number. But those who already have or those men who have had a woman in their life who have gone through this, I just don't think that even that makes them say, oh, well, the slate's clean now. Mm-hmm. I think there is going to be a very sour taste in a lot of people's mouths who have unfortunately horrendously gone through this kind of thing. And they're going to say, wait, I'm supposed to support a team that if there hadn't been fan and media blowback would have been quite okay with this guy coaching. That's a team I'm supposed to support. Even if you give a hundred grand to the sexual assault center, how how exactly am I supposed to do that? True. Yeah. And you know what, Uh, you know, we, uh, we as fans, uh, you know, look at those fans who have come to the ballpark over the last number of weeks with bags over their heads. Can you manage the signs and the messages that the fans are going to be sending at, you know, on Labor Day, biggest game of the year, you're hosting your arch rival, you're still winless, you're coming off this debacle of a decision. Uh, I, the fans are not going to forget, that's for sure. 
Uh, kudos to Barry's Jewelers for stepping up as well, because they were one of the few sponsors to point to this situation to say, no, this is a wrong decision. We don't stand by it. I, I would have loved to see other sponsors do that, and maybe more will do that in, in the days to come. But, um, you know, it's it's a situation that will not be wiped clean in a matter of days or weeks or maybe even years. Who knows? This stain can be stuck on this franchise for a long time. we got 30 seconds. But you said the fans, you'd like to see what happens at Labor Day. Do you think, though, that the fans at Labor Day are actually going to respond to this? Or are they going to go to the Labor Day game and enjoy the Labor Day game and this is going to be a complete afterthought? I think most will just go to the game because they have tickets, they're football fans. I think some will voice their displeasure with this hiring and and unhiring. I think they'll be in the vast minority, but we'll see them. We may not see them on the big screen uh, in, in stadium, but I'm hoping the national broadcaster who carries CFL, TSN, will kind of point to some examples in the crowd. I wouldn't be surprised if there was fans uh, even protesting who don't have tickets to the game outside Tim Morton's fields to uh, enlighten others about what has happened and, and, the, uh, and the moves that uh, may have been made uh, with Art Briles coming in. We will see. I'm, I, am, I am less optimistic that this will be remembered even 24 hours from now. But, but I mean, by some, for sure. But I'm talking about by the fans who are going to go to the games. Uh, I would like to think this would mean something to them. I'm hoping it does. I'm not convinced it's going. Rick, always appreciate the time. Thanks for doing it tonight. You got it, Scott. Who knows what next week will bring, but thanks for doing it tonight. (laughs) You got it. Bye. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Good friend of mine guy that I like to call the most talented person in Hamilton, and I, I actually do believe that. I'm not just saying that because he's here. I say it behind his back, too. Uh, has stumbled into the studio. Well, stumbled. I, I don't believe he's intoxicated. He, <laughs> he usually saves that for the office. Um, Graham Mackay, editorial cartoonist of the Hamilton Spectator. The reason Graham is in here, other than the fact that we just like having him in, is uh, there is a book that you can now find at fine bookstores everywhere, as well, I believe, is at the front desk of the Hamilton Spectator, I'm sure. Hamilton Spectator, uh, the Hamilton Store, and Indigo's all across the city. Called You Might Be From Hamilton If by Graham Mackay. And I said, uh, actually, at the top of the show when I was introducing you, are you the author of a new book? I don't know. When you draw pictures, you're an illustrator, but are you Mm. the author of a book? Uh, I'm an illustrator. You know what? I'm just a nice guy. How about (laughs) (laughs) A nice guy. Graham, uh, for those who don't know, and that would be nobody, I'm sure, but just in case someone has... Dr- is driving through Hamilton from Windsor on their way to wherever else. Uh, Graham is the editorial cartoonist at the Hamilton Spectator. Has been there for twenty twenty years. Twenty years, uh, and and I say this in all seriousness is not only the best at his job in the country. We are very lucky in this city to have Canada's best editorial cartoonist. But it is one thing. I always say that when you're writing, all you're doing is rearranging twenty six letters every day into different patterns. <laughs> Graham has to be able to be funny, he has to be concise, he has to be technically good, he has to be able to draw, all those good things. So I am a big backer of, uh, uh, yes. of my guest today. Um, but this book is, <laughs> before we get to this, well, let's get to the book. This mm-hmm. is a fantastic book. This is, first of all, it's really funny. Yeah, well, it, it's due. I mean, we, we have to do this because uh, in this city, we have a lot of stereotypes, right? We do. And there are old stereotypes. There are stereotypes that date way back into the 60s. You know, the lunch bucket city, the city of steel mills, the city of liberal supporters, Sheila Cops, all that. 
we're now going through that renaissance right now, right? So we're, we're now, there, there's something happening in the city. Now, we, we've been told this for a long time, right? And I've been here, in, I've been working at The Spectator since 1997. So I'm, I'm very familiar with this whole thing about the renaissance. But really and truly, there is something happening right now. And it's been going on maybe for the past five years. And uh, it's, it's not just the Torontonians coming and, and buying our houses and, and jacking up the prices. It's, it's really is an art scene that's been uh, flourishing in the city uh, going back 10 years. And it's not just the visual arts, it's the music, it's all kinds of things. Well, you do have a cartoon in here of the family visiting Supercrawl and um, yes. having their um, wardrobe <laughs> becoming more, more James Street yes. North. James Street North will change you. It will change you. <laughs> so, okay, so this, tell me where the book comes from because you do this every day, you draw every day. Mm-hmm. So did you sit there and say, you know what, I'm going to make fun of all my fellow <laughs> brethren city folk? Well, I, 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 I'm not political on this one. There's a few that are slightly political, but, but really they're all very nice. Uh, I'm not going to make too many people angry, although I did, um, I did bring in an, an old cartoon about the farmer's market, for example. Uh, and, and, and one said, uh, you might be from Hamilton if your farmer's market actually has no farmers. <laughs> And someone has corrected me, and well, of you know, they yeah, have. you know what? My job as a cartoonist is to exaggerate, and and you know that was one of the things when they re- renovated the market was we need more farmers in the farmers market. Um, I think that happened, but I don't think to the extent that um, we 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 actually had in mind. Uh, so someone actually said, "I've been down the market, and you can get all kinds of fresh produce there, and I know some some farmers who actually go, go, are there." So, you know. Apologies to that particular <laughs> reader, but that's the first uh, criticism that I've received so far. But one of the funny things about this, and I know you've alluded to it, is that we in Hamilton are totally okay with making fun of ourselves, which is what you've done. You've mm-hmm. put fun at all the Hamilton stereotypes, and there are, as I say, lots of Hamilton stereotypes. The only one you missed in here, <laughs> d- do you have anyone wearing a matching velour suit driving a, bu- a scooter down the sidewalk with a uh, pit bull? No, but I do. Got, I have a guy riding a bicycle with a 12-pack under his arm. Well, okay, so that, that'll he's smoking than- cigarettes, and he hasn't got a shirt on, and his the, the, the handlebars are on backwards. That... <laughs> <laughs> that, that will cover it. But we're fine, I think. I mean, other than the one uh, begr- begrieved farmer, <laughs> we are fine with poking fun at ourselves. Yeah. So you have, have you, other than that person, you haven't heard from anyone going, come on, you can't <laughs> do this. But if you are from outside here and you mm-hmm. poke fun at Hamilton, yeah. Yeah. we're different. Yeah, we are. We, uh, we get our backs up a bit. And, uh, you know... We've always been the butt of jokes. We've always been known as, as the lunch bucket city. I think it's changing a little bit. But, you know, we're, we're kind of going the way Winnipeg went, uh, you know, 10 years ago with their music scene. People are now looking at us with a little bit more mm, interest. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think back to the 90s when Bob Morrow, the mayor of the time, got really upset about some kind of joke. And the cartoon that I drew was the, the joke stops here. <laughs> And I, th- I thought that was like only a year or two into my job. And I just thought, man, you know, we got to move on here. <laughs> you know, people, we have some of the funniest people that come from the city. You know, I don't have to name them. Uh, we were just talking about Billy Van as one uh, that we've, we've forgotten about. Um, but, you know, 
this is a city where, you know, it's been, we have gritty factory workers and things like that. We, we take our lumps, but we also have a, a really great uh, sense of humor and uh, we export it. And uh, as you say, I think we're getting over the whole fact that we're kind of liking the attention. If people are going to make fun of Hamilton, we can laugh along a little bit at them now, uh, whereas a few years ago it was, no, we'll just beat you up now. I'm going to get back to the book, but with what you draw daily in The Spectator, though, you poke fun at us, but I'm guessing that rather than the book where everyone goes, oh, ha, 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 it's it's us having a little fun at ourselves, things can be a little more dicey when it's a local issue Mm -hmm. because, Mm -hmm. you know, our local issues Mm -hmm. tend to be a little more... um, Yeah. Yeah, well, our, our local issue of the week, as you well know yourself, yeah, um, with the Thai cats, um, you know, it's it's my my boss Howard Elliott will exercise e- extreme caution when I start to mention, like, I get to pick what my topics are, and so when I I mention, well, I got to do something on the Thai cats situation here, and that raised a bit of an eyebrow with him. Um, he, you know. He has to deal with the, the people of the city. He has to deal with readers. And if, and if you've got a lot of Ticat fans who are are kind of upset by this, it, it's one thing to to jostle them about a local guy as opposed to a prime minister or a premier. It's easy to, to target uh, a one of those guys. But when you're dealing with a... a you haven't a, heard from Donald Trump yet. <laughs> no, Donald <laughs> Trump is a very easy target. But even Scott Mitchell, he's he's a local guy. And he knows a lot of people here. And he knows a lot of journalists. And we don't want him to stop talking to, you know, the, a paper because of a, a, a malicious or, or mean-spirited cartoon. So... The cartoons you do here, though, so where do they come from? Like, is this a lifetime of inside <laughs> jokes that you realized that you had gathered up in your brain and they all just spilled out? Or did you actually have to sit down one night and go, okay, what have I got? Like, I've got four. Yeah. Now where do I go? Yeah. Um, it, it's been a two-year sort of ordeal <laughs> to put this book together. And no, I, I leaned on a lot of people to actually help me out with this. I was given 120 illustrations and that's a lot, actually. <laughs> and so uh, when I go, went up to my friends and family, I don't know, there I said, are kids in kindergarten that could bang those off in one afternoon <laughs> of arts and crafts. Well, yeah, um, <laughs> and, and I've done a, I've done a fair amount myself, obviously in in the twenty years I've been the cartoonist. So I was able to to lean on some of my past. But you know, you, you'll you'll end up getting too many tie cat jokes, or you'll get too many uh, you know mobster jokes, or you know too many. Um, Baldacero. Baldacero. <laughs> there is a Baldacero in there. There, there. There's like a there's a book with a list, and I had to knock off certain things. I couldn't have too many of, of one thing, so I tried to make it as as um, uh, I, I comprehensive as as possible, um, and 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 not be too lopsided with with one issue. So you'll really find something on everything in this city. So tomorrow night you are doing a, um, you don't do this often because cartoonists uh, <laughs> generally work in the shadows mm-hmm. and, um, you know, don't appear in public. You sort of are, I don't want to say you're trolls, but. <laughs> <laughs> we, we like to hide away in our little caves and throw our little grenades. 
No one really knows who I look like. No, but I. But you will be appearing I'm, tomorrow I'm, to, I'm the, to your public. I'm putting my face out there. Yes. And this is going to be at the Spectators Auditorium. What time is it? Seven. Seven o'clock to nine. Seven o'clock till nine. You can. Uh, I think there may be a few spots available. Call the Spectator nine zero five five two six three 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 and ask them if you're interested. Nine zero. I'm giving you so many phone numbers tonight, but nine zero five five two six three 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 three. If you want to meet Graham, buy a book, get it autographed. If you don't win it tonight, all the rest of the stuff. But my question for you on this one, because when you do emerge from your lair and people do know you are Graham Mackay, editorial cartoonist, mm-hmm. what do they ask you? What, what I mean, what are the things that get you get asked most? Okay, you want to know? What yeah, they ask? I really do. Oh, you must love Donald Trump. <laughs> you must love Donald Trump? You must love having Donald Trump. They also say, you must love these Trump days. And, and you know, yeah, it, he's fun to draw, but actually uh, my answer has become, no, I don't. I'm sick and tired of him. He really, uh, the, the thing is, because he's so much in the news, we're neglecting a lot of things in the news. And, you know, you could be up here in Hamilton and draw something pertaining to the, you know, the, the stuff that's happening in, in Texas with the floods. But you know that there's going to be 200 other people doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and what does that add, really? I mean... Well, there's the, edit- there's the editorial cartoonist fallback, and I don't want to give away your secrets. But anytime <laughs> someone famous dies, there has to be an editorial cartoon of them somehow standing at the pearly gates. That is an, that's an obligation well. that someone in the world will take that one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> so steer clear, <laughs> unless you really are mailing you, it in. I, I get very angry, actually, with the that whole thing. Because I, you know, yeah, you know, the f- most famous American cartoon is when uh, John F. Kennedy, uh, just after he was assassinated, and um, his name, my goodness, has escaped my mind. But if if you know it, it's a it's a it's a graphite drawing, and it's of of. Uh, Abraham Lincoln. It's this, this, the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, and he's got his hands in his in mm. his in his hands, and that's all it was. It was expressing the grief of the nation. It was wonderful, um, and that's what all the cartoons want to do. They want to replicate that, but you can't really do it when Don Knotts dies, or <laughs> you know, when you mean Lincoln doesn't put his head in his <laughs> no. hands when when Don when Mister Furley passes away. No, but there are cartoonists out there who wait. They wait, and I, I think some of them have a bank of cartoons. Just waiting for these guys waiting to Waiting for the moment. Yeah. I don't know who the cartoonist is who's got a Mr. Furley cartoon tucked <laughs> away. <laughs> well, well, that's, a, that's a specialized cartoonist. That's an eager guy, well, i got to tell you they're that. They're out there, believe me. Um, and uh, The guy who has all the Three's Company characters ready to go. Mrs. It, Roper is in the hopper. <laughs> well, any of those, any of those sitcom things. If, and, and you can tell, you know, the age of the cartoonist because if it's, you know, if they're doing Tom Bosley or, or, <laughs> or whoever, uh, you know that they're probably a guy in his 50s. And, and how many people are going to cry at that? Probably a, a good chunk of the people. But that's, but you you're know. You're not trying to get people to cry, are some, you? Some are, Yeah. You want to get a little emotional thing out of the uh, the. I think that's the problem with cartoonists now. They want to get people to cry or get angry. the The whole business of satire to to like make a point, a political point, maybe get a chuckle, but but get something, get get the the, the reader to actually learn something or think about something. That's that's kind of going in the in, in into the ether right now, and and we're just we're, we're losing. We're losing that sort of connection. Over the past 20 years, has there been a cartoon, not that got you heat, because we know those happen, but has there been a cartoon that when you were done, 
stands out as being the one you went home that night and went, oh man, I just, that, that just was not what I, I mean, big moment and I just missed it. Cause we've, I've done that with mm-hmm. writing. You finish something, you go, mm-hmm. wow, did I ever miss that? Mm-hmm. Have you ever had one? Cause mm-hmm. I know you, you hit your target 99 days out of hundred. <laughs> What's the one that you look at and you go, man, I wish I had that one to do over. Uh, it's been a while because I don't want to waste, you know, a whole day drawing something. <laughs> I, I kind of know what my boss is going to nix and what he's going to say okay to. Um, you know, there's been controversial cartoons. I had a controversial one last week. I don't want to get into it, though. Um, there was one that I did of, um, yeah, it was back in when the, the, the early days of Harper and, um, it was on Afghanistan, and it showed um, that that image of someone of, of someone actually sticking their 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 head into a certain orf- <laughs> orifice. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I wasn't very happy with that, but it, it basically said it was the defense position of a, a liberal or something, and uh, I I left the uh, office thinking that was going to be published, and then when I'm eating dinner, I'm thinking. Maybe that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> oh. And then I got a phone call later on. I was like, we're not putting that in. Uh, it's a little bit rude. And I, I, I kind of sighed with relief. I don't know. I went into work that day. I I, I was angry or something, and I came up with that but idea. But, you know, that's, uh, we only have a few minutes here left. But that, to me, is one of the really interesting things about your job is that I'll give you an example. We learned once upon a time our family went to Disney World, mm-hmm. and we were talking to an employee down there and that I knew and she explained that all the staff, all the Disney personnel park like 20 minutes away. They have a parking lot and they have to get on a shuttle bus yeah. and drive in all together. And the reason is mm-hmm. you woke up and had a fight with your wife or your husband, your dog died, <laughs> your kids are being a pain, whatever else. Mm-hmm. You've got 20 minutes <laughs> to get out of your car and to get yourself into Disney frame of mind to be a... Mm-hmm. Whoever, because people are coming to Disney. They don't want to know about your family problems. No. they. W- I got to believe that for you to be able to do this more often than not, you have to be <laughs> honestly in a reasonably mm-hmm. upbeat, reasonably mm-hmm. happy mm-hmm. frame of mind, because it could get pretty sure. dark or dour if sure. you're not. Sure. I mean, if you face family tragedy and a death or something like that. Well, that's, certainly... that's beyond the pale. I mean, but... But just in general, I mean, you have kids. Right. I bet you that once or twice <laughs> your kids have made you a little agitated before leaving the house, but you can't uh, draw cranky kids in your cartoons no, all day. I, I no, don't, I don't let the family really bother me. They, <laughs> they, they know when to stay out of my way, too. Um, they know in the morning that you just... I, I got I to come up with a cartoon later on, so, so don't ask me too many questions and don't... Don't put any any restrictions or rules on me. Leave it for the end of the day, and and they know that. So I've I've trained them well. So you and go home and be well. cranky. <laughs> I will go home and be quite happy because I've done my well, job, and go. it's Miller time. <laughs> what? Um, okay, two things before we go here. Uh, fa- do you have a favorite cartoon though that you've ever done for the spectator the, on the editorial page? Is there one that stands out that is miles ahead or or no? Nope. No, there's a bunch. I do not. I, I have favorites, but not nothing not favorite. No. What about in here? Is there one in the book that you look at and you go, that one, I just, that I've, was great. That's there, my favorite. There are, there are some experiences that I've gone through that are in there uh, when I was a kid. And and one of them it was in the Spectator today regarding uh, Dunder and Castle. 
you might be from Hamilton. And if you are promised uh, moats and all kinds of things at a local castle and what you're actually you're actually there. You learn about pre-Confederation furniture from 1840. And there's a jar of old, old pickles in the... Old, old pickles. <laughs> in the black pickles in the basement, as I recall. Yeah, yeah. So anything that, that, that touched me as a kid, those are my favorite ones. There's another one that has to do with, um, um, oh, the elevator lady uh, at, at Eaton's. Now, here's, here's something, just a modern uh, reflection on that. Everyone talks about the gloves that they wore. I could care less about the gloves. I was more worried about the, the clangy accordion door thing. So, <laughs> uh, By the way, okay, so we asked a few minutes ago for people to call in to win a copy of this book, and we said, what was the Hamilton-made, Hamilton-filmed show starring Billy Van and Vincent Price, which, of course, is a cult classic, <laughs> The answer, Hilarious House of Frightenstein. Graham, guess, this is so perfect. Guess the name of the person, the first name of the person who won your book. What could be the most perfect name for a book of cartoons? Bob? Art. <laughs> Art. Art. <laughs> well, congratulations, Art. <laughs> a guy named Art won a book of cartoons. We didn't make this up. Oh, that's great. The only way this could have been better could have been better is if somebody was out there named Hilarious. <laughs> Hilario. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there is someone named Hilario. Uh, Art, if you're still listening, if you haven't given up on us. Way to go, Art. Uh, way to go, Art. Uh, Graham will make this out to you, and this book will be ready for you at the 900 CHML World Headquarters here mm-hmm. in Longwood and Maine, right across from Westdale High School. But, uh, but just, you know, check with somebody. Yeah. Check. But no, this, uh, tomorrow at, at The Spectator, 7 o'clock, if you want to meet Graham, if you want to get the book, if you want to, you'll sign books for people oh, tomorrow. Oh, lots of books, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, and even if you can't get there, this, we are, I don't know. How many days from Christmas? 100, 200, 300? Yeah. It's a long uh, way from Christmas. But if you're looking for an idea <laughs> for Christmas, uh-huh. there couldn't be a better one than this one. I mean, maybe not if the person lives in Yellowknife. Mm. They may not get it. <laughs> but for anyone in Hamilton or has been in Hamilton or lived in mm-hmm. Hamilton, this is a great book. It's You can't see on the radio, but it's perfectly sized for your toilet lid. Is that right? Yes. That was very well conceived <laughs> because nobody admits they read in the bathroom, no. but everybody reads in the bathroom. Everybody does. So yeah. there you go. Perfectly sized for all of your <laughs> special times. <laughs> and you can laugh while you unload. <laughs> what could be better than a good chuckle? While you're getting lighter. Right. Uh, Graham McKay, thank you for coming in. Thanks for doing uh, this excellent book. You may be, you might be yeah. from Hamilton if. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Scott. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHML.